You're listening to Radio Free Edville. It's Edville on the radio for free. It's Friday, July 16th. I'm Roy Thomas Padgham, and this is your Edville Gazette, brought to you in association with News Now Network. I should mention that uh, I'm recording this podcast in a Muskoka room at a cottage in Muskoka, and uh, there's an intermittent rainstorm, so I can't uh, I can't mitigate for any ambient noise you might hear, like the rain pouring or my family fighting with each other in the next room. Wow, we're all millionaires now. The country's broke, but Canadians like life in the fast lane. By Edna Farmer. Edville. Hold on to your hats. According to a new report from BMO, Canadians' average household wealth has just passed a million dollars. Now, it's true that this number is denominated in Canadian dollars, meaning that Ottawa is still printing money like there's no tomorrow, and Canadians are still pretending it's real. But even so, here's the math. First off, you've got the huge increase in the value of real estate. This is old news, really, because we've been talking of little else throughout the pandemic. Even out here in rural Canada, where a lot of us who bought our homes for practically nothing have got stinking rich. If you're a Canadian and you're lucky enough to own your own house, why, you're in the chips. If not, well, you have to make your peace with living in a shipping container or maybe a renovated van for the rest of your life. I'm not sure this is altogether the best recipe for social harmony, frankly, but it does help to explain why so many older Canadians are doing the millionaire waltz. But what has gone largely unnoticed over the past year, since there's no Netflix series about it, and most of our financial experts these days are kids living with their mums, is the growth in non-residential assets. This is the term that applies to all those big numbers you see when you log on to your bank account and yell down to the kitchen, Holy crap, Edgar, we're rich as Rockefeller! And the numbers really are eye-watering. Over the pandemic year, taking into account all your ETFs and your cryptos and what have you, Canadians' household assets have risen, have risen, have risen by over $700 billion and now stand at $5.7 trillion. That's trillion with a T. Now, you might have noticed that this everyone's a millionaire calculation is a national average. We're not all really millionaires, are we? No, indeed. And we won't be once the bills come due in Ottawa either, by golly. But for now, well, believing you've got money to burn is just the sort of fantasy that's going to blast us all out of this pandemic recession. And that's not a bad thing at all, is it? Farmer. I'm just not sure about all this humane pest control, by Edna Farmer. Edville. Well, I've been to England once or twice, and the truth is, I think most Brits are fairly sensible most of the time. But I do wonder about their news media. Whenever I read The Guardian or turn on the BBC, I feel a bit like I'm in a children's book. The world is a very, very, very scary place, but if you close your eyes and make a wish like you really, really, really mean it, anything is possible. Which brings me around to this business about household pests. Now, most Gazette readers live out in the country, where you've got insect intruders of practically every kind. Ants, termites, hornets, earwigs, etc. I just hate those earwigs, my mother used to say. And when she was stomping on them in her rubber boots, you'd think she was invading Poland. So the fact is that we Canadians don't fret too much about whether our efforts to eradicate pests are triggering them or hurting their self-esteem. Roaches check in, but they don't check out. That's been the watchword for generations. But in the UK, according to The Guardian, 
All insects have a vital part to play in our ecosystem. Thus, you should escort various pests from your premises in the most polite way possible. Cockroaches in your kitchen, wasps in your attic, fleas on your doggy. Don't kill them, discourage them. And if that doesn't work, spend your days inventing new catch and release rituals. Some of them have been here for a much longer time than we have, says one of the Guardian's bug experts about the many species of vermin that infest British homes. Really, we should find a peaceful way to live together instead of eradicating or cruelly killing some of them. Well, I'm just not sure about this, but I will say, when I read these tidbits of advice in the press, they only make sense when I imagine them in a haughty British accent, like that time Emma Thompson flew from LA to London to protest carbon emissions and said, I may well be hypocritical by flying, but I'm conscious of flying, so I fly much less. No, over here in the Canadian heartland, the pest control ideas of British insect rights activists won't wash. I'm trying to imagine my mother saying to a neighbour, How are you getting rid of your caterpillars, Fergal? And the neighbour replying, Picking them up one by one and driving them up to Marmora to release them into the wild. Doesn't seem likely. Badger. Gibson or Fender. It's never easy choosing. By Dick Badger. Here's some of that rain I was talking about earlier. Edville. Maybe it's just me, but Belleville seems to be getting more than its fair share of full moons. If it's not the clap out- outbreak, it's weirdo news like this recent story about the drunk dude with the guitar. So just to set the scene, it's 4.30pm on a balmy Saturday afternoon in downtown Belleville. People are pushing their strollers, happily stocking up on groceries and STD antibiotics, marvelling at what a privilege it is to live in one of the top four communities in Canada, according to Maclean's magazine. And out of the blue, right on Knifton Road, near that little break and muffler joint, what do the good citizens of Belleville see approaching but a drunken lout on a bicycle weaving in and out of traffic? So one of these civilians calls the cops, but before they arrive, the drunk dude spits on a motorist and, get this, threatens to attack him with a guitar. Now I'm not saying I've ever been pissed drunk on a bike in Belleville, but I will say that it's all you can do in that state to stay upright and not get killed in traffic, let alone pull out your axe and go full Pete Townsend. And just in case Pete's lawyers are reading this, which seems likely, I'm talking about him smashing up guitars on stage, not on the skulls of Belvillians. So the whole scene is a proper shit show by the time the cops show up and haul the dude into custody. But since no one got hurt or anything, people are milling about and asking each other all kinds of questions, like... Do the other top three best places to live in Canada, according to Maclean's, have guitar-wielding maniacs threatening violence in their streets? And if they do, what would be their acts of choice? Now, my bud Gordy from Coburg is a guitarist, as well as a damn fine backup goalie. He sometimes plays out on the patios there in the summer. Guitar, not goal. Which he says is damn good for attracting the ladies. So Gord tells me if he really wanted to take a good swing at someone, he'd likely use a Fender Telecaster. You know, because it's got the heft, he says. On the other hand, lunging with a guitar while inebriated and balancing on a bicycle raises questions about weight displacement, not to mention swing velocity and follow-through. You'd only get one good whack with a telly, says Gordy, so if the other guy comes at you with, say, a Gibson SG, and you can see he's established a good chopping rhythm, you might want to think about something a little more manoeuvrable, like maybe a hollow-body Les Paul. That's a solid analysis. But I'm thinking you might want to avoid musical instruments altogether when brawling in any of the top four communities in Canada. Stick to dead fish. Or, for you newbies, 
Paul Noodles. Local, true crime, death by cinnamon roll, by Hedy Bunt. Erlangen. My mother-in-law, bless her, was a wonderful cook, but a terrible baker. Her bread was dense and chewy, and heavier than a brick. Her cookies were dry, and her puddings never set. Her black forest cake was always lopsided and tasted both sweet and sour at the same time. We often joked that she was going to one day kill us with her Strusselkuchen, or Spritzerback, but we knew she came from a place of love. Not so for a fellow from Erlangen who mixed sleeping pills into a homemade cinnamon roll and then served it to his wife. The two were separated at the time, and he said he gave her the toxic treat in order to have a longer visit with their son. Apparently, his hope was that she'd be rip-van-winkling it while he took the kid out for an extended play date. Too bad for him, and darn lucky for the woman, she only consumed half of the contaminated confection, which, it turned out, contained a lethal amount of narcotics. Her mother later finished the dope delicacy. Both were sent to hospital, where the mother-in-law almost succumbed to the scoundrel's skullduggery. The court found him guilty of attempted murder, attempted grievous bodily harm, and various narcotics charges. The criminal culinarian was sentenced to six years and three months in prison, but not before he was forced to attend drug rehab. My mother-in-law left a book full of her recipes, which I treasure, but have never, ever opened. Herr Bunt and I leave the baking to Tim Hortons. From the Man Cave, Dreaming of a Major Nautical Upgrade, by Jeff Mullet Jr. Edville. Still hot out there, eh, guys? Yuppers. Your man Jeff here has been out on the lake in the old tinner, fishing and catching rays for basically the whole summer so far. It has been great. But I'll tell you what, boy do I wish I had a bigger, cooler boat. Now don't get me wrong, old Sexy Lexi, my 14-foot Alcan tin boat, is pretty decent. She's in okay shape. Holds water most days. I had a great joke inserted here, but Amy made me take it out. Anyway, this still doesn't stop me from daydreaming about my dream boats. And just to be clear, I'm not daydreaming about Leonardo DiCaprio or Tom Selleck. No, I'm talking about my actual dream boats. So here are my top three. Number one, the Sea Breacher. Top of the list for sure. This is a boat that you can have made to look like a killer whale, alien spacecraft, or a mother friggin' shark. And they are semi-submersible too. That's like a submarine and a boat. Every boater loves a good two-for-one. How sweet would that be? Cruising along underwater, sneak up on your buddy out on Rice Lake and scare the crap out of him. Would be cooler with speakers that played the Jaws theme, though. Number two, the Swath Sea Shadow. Have you ever watched Battlestar Galactica? I was obsessed in college. Well, if you have, then you'll dig this boat because it looks like a Cylon Raider. I kid you not. So badass. Too bad it's not available for us normal folks. Unfortunately, this bad boy was made by the US Navy as a testing ship. Or so they say, maybe it is a Cylon Raider. Number three, a 1990 Riva Ferrari 32. You can't have a classic on the list, and oh baby, is this one a classic? It is literally the Ferrari of boats, and I'm talking race car Ferrari too. This bad boy has twin 8-litre BPM Volcano V8 engines clocking in at 390 horsepower apiece. For those of you who don't speak marine mechanic, that means this boat goes really, really fast. And Jeff likes to go really, really fast. 
Until I win those Lotto Max millions, it's just going to be old Lexi and I for the time being. She may not go fast, her engine may be from my riding lawnmower, and she smells like dead fish and stale beer. But she floats, and as Amy says, that's all I really need. But a man can dream. Senior's Corner. Politicians bribing geezers. Fucking tiresome, I say. By Buster Fogg. Coburg. Well, you're going to fall out of your goddamn mobility scooter when you hear this information I'm about to relate. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it with my usual pity for these kids today who don't have the sense God gave walleye, but who are going to be even more financially fucked when they read this. The feds are planning a one-time payment to older seniors in August. Anyone over 75 is going to get a $500 check as a one-shot cash injection and an additional $766 a year in annual old-age security benefits. That means me and my missus are going to rake in a grand between us next month. We're thinking of putting a new floor in the basement for when the grandkids visit, or maybe picking up a nice new patio set. But seriously... If you're a geezer, you weren't born yesterday, and so you know how this business works. The way it works is, unprincipled shitbag politicians divert cash money from young Canadians, who mostly don't vote, straight into the wallets of old codgers, who all vote. Nationwide, that's 3.3 million oldsters who'll be so flush with cash in August that it'll probably still be falling out of their pockets when they go to the polls in the fall. But I don't like it, and unless you're as dumb as a fucking walleye, you shouldn't like it either. Because the feds aren't bribing us with our own money, like in the old days. They're bribing us with our grandkids' money, for Christ's sake. And that just ain't right. No wonder all these kids like Robin Hood socialism. They spent their whole lifetimes watching it, in reverse. Worst idea I've ever heard of my life! Art for Naught by Hugo Blue. I should mention, in addition to the rainstorm, we've had a power cut now. So I've moved my operation up to a bedroom on the second floor because my nephew has fired up the generators to stop the fridges from shutting down. (sighs) Country living. Gainesville. When Italian artist Salvatore Garau unveiled his invisible sculpture Io Sono, I Am, in June, made of air and spirit, it divided people sharply along imaginary lines. None more so than Tom Miller, who claims the idea was his originally. Miller, a performance artist by trade, fashioned his own nothing by hiring a pretend workforce to mime moving blocks of air into a kind of Egyptian step pyramid. I should be credited with nothing, says Miller, which is at least a turn from the usual megalomaniacal fare. Garau's work, by contrast, which was auctioned to an equally unseen buyer for $22,000. It's a vacuum, he says, and therefore particles, and we are particles. Heisenberg even said so. In a documentary, Garau explains, it is a work that asks you to activate the power of your imagination. It's also a science textbook. For clarity, Garau asks, don't we shape a god we've never seen? I don't know. I thought I saw him in a tortilla chip once, but maybe don't ask me. Dozens of other immaterial artists have also come forward with their null works. If only we could tell them apart. Too bad they're all wrong. I'm the real Spartacus who came up with this ingenuity. See my sculpture, Zephyr Licking a Quantum Rose, on display in Edville's Town Square, a place that really appreciates such work. And you thought non-fungible tokens were bad. You shit at all! I hate you! 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 I hate you
That's great, man. Man! Series. Kids and geezers are LMAO. Kids Corner. TikTok's new trend is so close to legendary litness by Crystal BB Diamond 16. Brighton. Hey fam, by now you should know how much I literally freaking love TikTok, because it's just seriously the best place on the internet for like lols, melting your brain hole, and having fun and shit. And I'm not trying to be shady lady, but like fam, I'm kind of struggling over here with the new trend. So, like, you're supposed to brush your teeth with a magic eraser, which, by the way, is a liar name, because I tried to use one to clean Sharpie off my dad's car when I drew some arrows on the dashboard to help me remember left and right for my driving test, and it did not come off, and dude, was he, like, mad mad. I mean, if we're going to clean our teeth and film it for clout, why not get, like, actually cool stuff to brush your teeth? Use a skateboard, or build a Lego track where the car whips around and does a little brushy brush for you. Get your cat to brush your teeth or ask someone with no hands to do it for you. That's the kind of stuff we want to see. Get on it, fam. Can't wait to see your best toothbrushing buffoonery. Bye for now. Legal Woes of the Third Planet, number one, by Hugo Blue. Houston. Comic book shop. Third Planet Sci-Fi Superstore officially filed suit against its neighbour, Crown Plaza River Oaks, via an unusual medium, a 13-page graphic novel. It's unclear why owner T.J. Johnson thought his lawsuit required visual aids, but his attorney and Justice League of four friends took the necessary action over two months. Do they file their taxes the same way? The suit alleges, from origin story to nemesis, that residents of the hotel have been permitted to throw all manner of items from their room's balconies at the comic shop in some old-fashioned nerd bullying. Projectiles have included plates, luggage, and even ladders, the worst nuisance being that none of the items were at all useful. Flung cigarette butts also caused fires on the shop grounds, and the clash reached its climax when, perhaps after noticing the flames, 14 fire extinguishers were lobbed onto the shop's roof. Attorneys for the hotel have yet to comment. They'll need a few months and an adequate cartoonist to draw up the appropriate response. I rather like the idea of sprucing up the judicial system with art. Perhaps briefs should now be submitted in watercolour, and the day's cases displayed in acrylic and oil. Next up, docket number 114 on canvas. The graphic novel ends with an auspicious to be continued, but, by, but simply illustrating your plight into graphic panels as the hero of your own story, no less, doesn't guarantee a comic book ending. Looking forward to issue two, though. Nuff said. <laughs> I'm Roy Thomas Pageant, and this has been your Edville Gazette for Friday, July 16th. Join us again next week, back on my regular HQ. The News Now Network is a fiercely independent news magazine serving the residents, businesses and civic organisations of Northumberland County. It is supported by local advertisers and free to readers. Visit newsnownetwork.ca.